Our today's guest is Stefan Kermas, leading teams in their dynamics, accompanying and optimizing the interaction of people is his great passion. As a man of two worlds, he combines his experiences from team sports with the needs in the business context. Appreciating the people in your nature, developing your achievements, and at the same time looking at the organization system makes the work so exciting for him. Since 2020, self-employed as organizational consultant and team developer. There is also an increasing demand for performance coaching, especially for young executives, and he is happy to offer it. His slogan, train your business. We all want to be successful in our job, but where and how do we actually train for it? Topics, processes, communication, etc. can and should also be trained in business. Not in the Alps at a seminar, but every day in real work life in the presence of real problems. Stefan, welcome. So pleased to have you here today in this episode. How are you? Hi, Spyros. Uh, thanks a lot for your uh, kind invitation. Happy to be here and uh, so far so good. I'm really fine and looking to an interesting conversation with you today. Same, the same as I was really looking forward to this episode, to this discussion. But before we jump to uh, the interesting part of what we have to talk about, uh, Stefan, please Talk a bit to us about your background. Where were you before? Uh, how did you came up with all those great ideas that you communicate, that uh, you are offering to your clients, and that you are talking to your keynotes? Big question for the beginning. Mm, I would describe my background as a multi-interesting background. I've not mm. that, that typical business career background from a junior to a senior to a partner in one company. Mm, I call myself like someone who's a, who's a team enthusiast because I really love it to work with teams and all the areas around team dynamics, about reaching goals, about being successful. And where does it come from? It doesn't come from my former law and studies and law career as I finished two law exams in, uh, in Berlin and uh, worked as a lawyer a little bit for some years after that because I realized that's not the thing I'm loving. That's not the thing I'm really enthusiastic about. So all my team and performance and result-oriented um, um, attitude came from my former sports career. As I started playing field hockey as a young child at the age of six, and I started my coaching career at the age of 13 and becoming one of the first um, division field hockey coaches in Germany at the age of 22. So. I was quite early in the area of coaching, in the area of team leading, in the area of leadership, in the area of conflict solving. And obviously that's something I'm a little bit talented in and I really love these, uh, these topics. And so, yeah, the area of business consulting, of working with teams all around um, the globe, all around Germany, and all around these typical questions like, what can we do to improve better? What can we do to to reach better results? What can we do to perform better as a team? And I think that in this area, I met a lot of um, experiences during my career. I worked as a, 
former head coach of the German national field hockey team. I took part in two Olympic games, 2008 and 12, and as an assistant coach where we won two gold medals. So, yeah, there's a lot of experience about winning and losing, because if you win, you always have to lose sometimes. <laughs> it's not a one sweet direction. It's always about losing as well. And um, yeah, that's, I think it's, uh, yeah, it's a little bit of my background where I'm coming from and uh, to love it with, to love to work it with people uh, about these questions, performance management, reaching goals and all these little hurdles we have to go through that. Amazing. So, Stefan, what is the combination of the, of law, field hockey and business consulting? Because this is a truly amazing <laughs> law, sports and wow. You can call it amazing, perhaps other people would call it a little bit stupid or crazy. I don't know exactly. I think the red line in Germany, we say the, the roten Faden, the, the thing which is combining all these topics, I think it's a little bit this, this analytic stuff to reach something, to have a clear result um, at the end. That's where I'm coming from. I, I love it to, to get a problem on the desk and to find a solution. And it's the same in the law field, yeah, where you get a where you get a case and you get a problem, and yeah, Mr. A has to pay money to Ms. B, and what can we do now? So it's a problem. We have to find a solution. And it's the same in the business consulting area because yeah, it's obvious what we want to reach, but it's not obvious how we can reach it. And it's the same in the sports world. For sure, everybody would love to win a Champions League matches or the next tennis match. So yeah. What we want to achieve quite often is clear, but in general, it's not that it's not that obvious how to reach these goals. And I'm a little, yeah, I'm really enthusiastic about analytical, strategic thinking to understand relations, to understand reactions, to understand people' behaviors, to understand the background of a problem. And yeah, with that analytic style, I think there's a combination between the law world, the sports world, and the business world. And I'm a really result-oriented guy, so at the end, I want to have a result. And in these law books, it's uh, that, okay, now you have just the right uh, to get the money back from Ms. B. And the sport world, it's all about the, all about the goals we have on the, on the stands over there. And, and um, yeah, that's, I think, my explanation for the combination of these three important areas in my life. Okay, so let me now please come with, um, uh, with a question. According to the law, um, uh, spectrum, I mean, you have to find the solution searching in known um, resources. So you know where the resources are. So your job is to go to do research and pick the ideal components for the solution that you want to provide. Correct? Yeah. Yes. So nowadays it is exactly with business. So business owners, managers, issued professionals, executives and the project teams, they have access to resources. And I'm referring to the Internet, to the Internet of Things, to the ChatGPT and all those great things that we have with the expansion of the technology. So can you please describe what is the difference from the good professional to the best professional? I mean, in, in the law uh, industry. Uh, all the lawyers are doing the same. They are going, they are doing the research and they come up with a solution. But what is that? What are those qualities that make the difference from the good to the best ones? 
I don't know exactly what are the best, the best, the best, the best ones I do because I wasn't one of the best ones. I was a hard worker who had, who had to learn a lot to understand the, the, the main, the main topics. I think as in everyday life, there are talents who are really, really good in understanding faster and better what's the problem about. They know faster and better where to look. They are better in thinking abstract and thinking and, and knowing, okay, what could a solution could be? What in law also is quite um, important, the same in the sports and in the VUCA business world, it's to be a little bit of creative, to, to, mm -hmm. to look and to understand that the normal way is not always the best way. There is another kind of solution I have to look for. And I think the, the biggest URA talent or biggest law talent and the biggest sports talents in the, on the field of play, they are, they are better in understanding the circumstances. They are, they are better in understanding the related issues are combined in this specific situation. And I don't know if they have more experience, but they have a talent for understanding which button they have to press. And it's the same in the law world. I have this typical normal way everybody understands, but there's more behind. And you can't directly explain why Messi or Ronaldo are better players. They are, they are faster in thinking. They have better skills for sure, but they also have a better talent to understand all these areas around them because only then they can make better and faster decisions. So nice, so nice. Good. Uh, what does the business world can learn from professional sports world? I think that there are a lot of a lot of issues. That there are some issues we could talk about. I, I think two could be could be interesting for for you or for us or for our for our audience. And number one, that sports world, the team sports, has to learn from its first second the game starts that nothing is planable. And that it's not about planning, it's about being prepared for all the stuff which can happen in a VUCA world. Because it's really the same like we talked about the law world just one minute ago. There are so many circumstances coming down to the field of play. The referee, the weather, the opponent, the coach from the other team, the tactic, the personal individual performance on that day, the luck, um, the time, the pressure, the press. Um, the club leadership who wants to reach something because otherwise someone would have... So there are so many circumstances around that it would be naive and it would be quite... It would be too easy to think, and now I make a plan and if the plan works fine, I win all the matches. No, you can't plan. And if Man City versus Bayern are playing on Tuesday, Wednesday and Thursday, for sure there is a chance that all three matches will end up with... 1-1 or 0-0, that is possible. But for sure, all the three matches will have quite another dynamic because every situation, every second of a game will, will deliver something new. And that's where the team sports guys are really good at that. They know I can't, I can't plan as much as I want. There's more I have to learn. I have to, I have to learn to prepare myself mm -hmm. for for dynamics, for, for situations where I'm two goals down and I couldn't lose my head because if I lose my head, I will lose the game. So I know that I have 60 minutes, 24 minutes or 80 minutes up to come back on track. And 
um, that's a really, really mindset stuff. All the tennis guys who are two sets down in the French Open finals, but they know they can win if they are action oriented, if they are result oriented, if they are goal oriented. And that's, I think, talking to my business um, guys there, there's a huge difference between leaders, leadership experts who have a mindset who is always orientated on the next step, I think, always orientated on the next move, always orientated on the next serve. Mm -hmm. I can put the ball into the game. And there are people who say, ah, I don't know what to do. And he's guilty. Oh, and the area. And it's so difficult, actually. For sure, business is quite difficult in these times. That's absolutely clear. I don't want to, I don't want to laugh about that. But I want to highlight that in sports, you only have one chance, the, the next action. Yeah? You have to be prepared as good as you can for the next action because the next action brings you back on track. And that's something I really, I was really learning about my best coaches I had, that they are always one step, they always play in the future. They play <laughs> up to seconds or minutes in the future because they know that the, the past is not interesting. The past is interesting for analyzing. That's clear. I use the last game for analyzing, like the retro in the agile world. Mm -hmm. Why did it work well? What was our good idea last week? How was the team performance in the last six months? For sure, I have to analyze and understand that. But on the field of play, I always play in the present and in the future. And we need players on our team and we need exactly leadership guys in our teams who are always good in playing in the future because you can't change the past. You can only change the future. And I know that it sounds quite simple, but in an area where it's getting stormy and shaky and difficult and problems are coming up every three seconds when the opponent has the ball, I have to prepare my team to play as good as they can in this agile complex, hooker complex situation to find solutions to handle that. And that's something we have to train as a child from the, from the first ages with playing, studying ice hockey, basketball, volleyball, hockey, or football or soccer. Yeah, because we have no other chance. We can't ask our coach on the sideline, hey coach, what do we have to do? <laughs> the team has to be prepared for itself to find answers in a VUCA situation, in a situation where problems or surprises are coming up every second. And that's something I think a business, a business leader, a business manager, I think the mindset is, could, could be something interesting. A business leader has to learn, has to understand that it's his job to prepare his team as good as it can to solve this VUCA situation for itself. Because surprises will come up in this business world. They will come up. The more complex situations are, the more surprises are on the field. And I have to be ready for that. Definitely. I can 100% understand what you are talking about as one of the very first things that one of my instructors in the army told me was that even if you are able to plan the, the best uh, rescue, it will never work. <laughs> so uh, I 100% empathize what you think. And I loved um, the thing that you talked about that you cannot ask your coach during a game. So it is in sports, it is a game. In the army, it is in a rescue uh, procedure. In business, it is the turbulence and the things that are moving fast, fast, fast and faster uh, as the uh, time goes on and on. 
And it's okay. not that important because now someone could say, yeah, Stefan, it sounds so easy. So what you mean is you have to plan, you have to plan plan A, plan B, plan C, scenario D, E, F, G. No, that's, that's not what I want to say because we can't plan 145 scenarios. If that's not the point, we have to prepare our teams for finding solutions in that specific situation. So we're talking okay. about, we're talking about principles. Mm -hmm. And the best teams in the world think and work in principles and not in rules. For sure, I have some rules which have to be clear. We have to start at eight o'clock and we have to train two hours. Yeah, and uh, Spiros wants to do with a workshop with you at 10 o'clock. These are clear rules as a frame, but inside the frame, the top high performance teams in the world, as you ask, what can we learn from them, is that they think and they play in principles. Because only principles helps us to find a solution if the situation is always a little bit changed. Is yeah, because there is not one situation two times in the same match. It's not. Sure. Because the player stands one meter behind more on the left or on the right, or the score sheet says one nil down or says one goal up. So the situation nearly never is exactly the same. And in that situation, in that VUCA situations, we have to, I think, it's my personal opinion, you know, we don't have to be in common, but I think we have to think and work in principles because principles are giving the idea of finding a solution to the guys on the ball, to their employees in the office. And they have to be prepared as good as we can as a leader that they find in a frame of principles and a frame of rules, their own decision for that specific problem. And that's what's happening with Manchester City, Panathinaikos Athen, Bayern Munich, or you know what I mean. Yeah? These guys are really, really good in finding solutions, thinking in principles. On the fly. On the fly, really perfect, on the fly, on the fly, without asking the coach, without looking to their table book, ah, what's here, number 45 in my in my company? Ah, sorry, ah, now I left the ball. No, that's not through it. On the fly, right. And that's something we can learn with young child from the age of four, five, six, yeah, that they train this, um, this situation-orientated complex-solving behavior. It sounds quite German, I know, but I think that's all it's about. It's not easy. It's not the point. It's quite difficult. But I think that's the mindset we need to be as good prepared as we can. Please kindly allow to be the devil's advocate now. Yeah, for sure. One difference between teams, the army or the high-risk industries, comparing with the business world, is that the sense is that in business, in the office, we don't have this pressure of the time, but it is a sense because we are sitting on a chair in front of a screen, we have the telephone next to us, our teammate is to the next office, and we can do the things in a more paceful way. Mm -hmm. So why do um, the C-suites, the professionals, the, the C-suite professionals, the managers, and the project teams, why do they need to adapt this mindset in order to work quickly and making decisions on the fly? And I'm not sure if it's if it's so necessary to give them time pressure. I think one reason why this agile idea of sprints of shorter project oriented ideas is exactly what we're talking about, that we have shorter periods where we can 
analyze if we are on the right track. And the pressure, you're right, Scott, the, the pressure doesn't come during 90 minutes from Manchester City or Liverpool, but the pressure, to be honest, comes from the market and the opponents. And it's up to myself to give that to a frame if I feel pressure or not. For sure, I could say, wow, there is no pressure in the market. I can do my same for the, okay, yeah, I could do that. Mm -hmm. But I think it's, it's, my, it's my personal opinion as well. Or again, I think we have to understand how the market pushes us. I think we have to understand what the opponents are doing. If we wouldn't do that, there's the possibility that we lose our way because, and, and I, I'm absolutely sure that all the big Apples, Microsoft and, uh, and Alibaba's, they know exactly what their opponents um, are doing. And it's not to copy them, it's not to be afraid, but it's, to, it's about to understand. And that's another cool story from the sports world because we have to do both. We have to be prepared for the opponent mm -hmm. because we have to understand how Man City wants to beat Bayern Munich. But for sure, around about, I don't know, 70, 80%, we have to concentrate on our strengths. What's our product? What, what's our habit? What are our principles? What is our tactic? How do we want to win? But it's a combination of both, understanding the market, but understanding as well ourselves. So it looks like there are a lot of blind spots. So what are the biggest blind spots in business consulting? The biggest blind spots in business consulting for me working with teams and working with managers and leaders is that they are quite business orientated regarding numbers. Yeah, they came from the university and they studied business and business international economics, pipapo, and they're quite good in understanding how to make money. That's absolutely clear. They're, they're experts in what I'm missing talking to them and for and exactly listening or for say, listening to them is do they understand how people and teams are working do they understand what kind of team dynamics they have inside their system as a company do they understand that for years and decades there are organization psychologists there are there, there are organization theories like the system theory or like the team dynamics theory or like psychological issues. And I think the more complex the world will be in the future and the more dynamic the market will be the next years, the more I have to understand how people related work will function, how people, how people dynamics can, can be used for reach better results, because it's not only an economic problem we have to solve. Uh, how can I make lower prices and how can I improve my problem, uh, my product? That's one part of the page, for sure. Yeah, that's a typical economic business view I, I have. But I think what, what, what I see uh, talking or uh, working with, I think, successful team leads is that they always have an eye on what does my team need from me? How can I use and put and work with my people to put them in the best position for them, how does psychology and so and um, and um, and organization theory can take part in my business? Mm -hmm. And why is that important? Because the game plan, the tactic we want to play four three three is economic, is a business side. That's quite easy. But when we talk about complexity, Spiros, 
Complexity will not be answered by economic plans for three three. Complexity will be will be entered and will be will be answered by complex ideas. And complex ideas will be delivered by people. And working with people means that I have to make them ready to deal and to solve complex situations. And that's why I think as a leader, I have to understand more about people's behavior, about group dynamics, about why is A with B in a clinch since six years? Why do we have a conflict between? And mm -hmm. it's not about and how everybody is happy and we have a we have an eye contact culture. No, then it doesn't work because the world outside is running so quick and, and, and things are changing so quick that I think I have to be better in this area of, of psychology, of team dynamics, of knowing, understanding why do people behave as they do? That's a really important question, I think. So all these things are related to, uh, as far as I can understand, uh, the, the one thing is the, uh, is the fractals. So people, uh, the managers, I understand that they are not aware on how fractals work. And this creates a situation that uh, they also do not understand the, uh, the team dynamics and the system dynamics that at the end of the day, does this thing make them less productive professionals, less uh, capable professionals? Like always, there is not a 100% yes overall. And I didn't say that nobody understands it. You ask me, what is the main blind spot? And I think that one of the main blind spots is to put that glasses on, to put the glasses on, on the question, why does people behave like they do? And what can I do as, a, that's the more important one, what can I do as a leader mm -hmm. to solve or to deliver a framework, to deliver an area where people's performance can increase because that's something I have to deliver as a team. I have to, I have to prepare. I have to, I have to, I have to offer a framework in a business area where people can do their job as good as they can. That's my job. But if that, if that is um, the result, if that is my goal, I have to understand how people work together. Otherwise it wouldn't make sense. So yeah, I like, the picture of putting glasses on and I'm seeing a lot of leaders who are putting their glasses on for all this number stuff. How can we increase numbers? Yeah. And how can we open more markets and how can we, how can we get market shares? Yeah. That's economic glasses. Yeah. I can, I can put it absolutely. But who are the guys who, who ask the right questions? What can I do to improve my team? What can I do that Spirus comes more motivated to the office each and every day? And that's another glass I have to put on. That's a glass of motivational psychology. That's the glass of organization theory. And there's a lot of science in the market. True. So, Stefan, how do you uh, how do you combine those trainings that you that you do with uh, these kind of professionals? How do you uh, how, how is a typical training day with you? There is no typical because in a VUCA world there is no typical framework. <laughs> I know what you I know what you mean. No, it, it absolutely depends on the question what kind of problem does the team want to solve? Solve mm -hmm. what kind of problem does the team need? And if he if he comes to me and he doesn't have a problem, I don't work with him. 
Okay. It sounds arrogant, but I want that they know what do we want to improve. For sure, I also work kind of a keynote as a 35-minute um, inspiration, knowing for me that after after that, the world will not be better for the company. Yeah, Perhaps one or two of them have a little bit of inspiration. Ah, that's a good idea. I would work on that. Yeah, so there is no specific um, specific day. The question is, does the company, does the team or does the leader understand where do they have their potentials? That's the first important question. Where do we can improve? What do we need to improve? Is it a mental thing? Is it a speech thing? Is it a product thing? Is it a quality thing? Is it a communication issue? Is it a trust issue? Is it a lack of clearance? We don't know where we want to go because we don't have any common purpose in sense for the team. So it depends on that. So before delivering a good workshop, I punish my clients over an hour because I absolutely want to understand what is the recent problem. Because if I don't understand the problem or the potential, it doesn't make sense to work with them. So what is the most common problem that uh, you have already solved? And what is the most common topic that you are talking about in your keynotes? One of the most three. Um, your, your best three in yeah. business and your best three in uh, keynotes. It's nearly the same between the workshops and the keynote. Actually, it's a lot about what I really like. It's about empowerment. It's about what can I do that my players on the field make their own decisions. So how can I empower my employees mm -hmm. to, to, yeah, to find solutions for their own Okay. to feel themselves more responsible for doing the work and to combine this empowerment with ownership. Now that uh, How can players on the field get more ownership for their position, for their stuff they have to do in that area? And actually, for, for sure, in these days where a lot of people are combining the home office situation with the office situation, it's all about communication. How can I get my people on track how can we communicate better or faster or quicker? How can we use multi-channeling or not? How can we get the team together, although they don't see each other during the week, like the last 20 years, five days a week? So how can we, how can we use and how, how can we combine and connect the people, although they are working in different, um, in different areas? And what I'm also talking about a lot is all this area about psychological safety and this and this area of of of, of mistake culture of error culture. How do we work with faults people are doing? How, how can we deal with errors which are quite normal in a team area in a company area? And how can we try to cultivate and to create a culture of psychological safety where, where people feel free and people feel safe? knowing that everybody is doing some force during the day, during the week, during the month, but yeah, that they still try their best. And it's the same in the sports world. And I really like these examples because if the, if the coach would change out, substitute a player after he plays two missing passes or, or two, two bad passes, for sure, the performance area, the psychological safety of this player would go down absolutely. And yeah, it's the same. It's not about saying that faults are great and we have to do as much faults as we can. No, that's, that's not the aim, I think. 
but it's about how to create a, a culture and an area knowing that that faults and errors are normal but we talk about that and we are allowed to talk about faults and we are allowed to analyze faults to be better prepared tomorrow for the next match that's something i really love to work with my team from yeah okay and what was the most VUCA situation in your business life when you have to work with a company or with a team of leaders Uh, for me, VUCA has a lot to do with surprises, which things I haven't seen before or, or things I didn't expect. Yeah, yeah. It's all this complexity. And for sure, working or having workshops and working with teams in a workshop situation, depending on the topic, depending on the structure of the day, it can happen that a big conflict comes up during the workshop. All right. And how interesting is that? It's how interesting. And then it's always a question to let it go, to let it flow, uh, to give the space and the time and the energy to the people in front of you. Because obviously now they have a space they can talk. They have the dynamic and the trust to each other to get into the conflict. And in this situation, it's quite sensitive and not that easy to do the right stuff. Because on the one hand, I'm really happy that obviously now they they start to talk and they start to put the conflict on the table on the other hand for sure uh, i don't want that they that they start to push each other no they they don't push each other but that's quite interesting i think that that's a, that's a really interesting situation because um you didn't expect that and you have in germany we say we have to read the situation we have to understand the dynamic and then we have to make a solution we have to make a we have to make the next step and for sure the next step can work or perhaps it's the wrong decision but that's really VUCA for me because it's quite easy to have a workshop um, formula and from 9 to 12 and everything's run through and then it's easy we say goodbye that's not VUCA that's quite easy I'm loving the situation where things are coming up I didn't plan mm -hmm. and where dynamic comes to the room because dynamic always means honesty clarity trust and a chance to improve something for the future and that's important that conflicts are normal conflicts are normal in every interpersonal related situation and it's quite good and really good and a good sign if a conflict comes on the table because now we have the chance to work on that so what, what were the three components trust transparency and what else clarity clarity yeah clarity all right um, Stefan, where uh, and how can come in contact with you? Um, people who are interested in uh, talking or discussing or in hitting me will find me on LinkedIn. Okay. LinkedIn is my favorite, um, my favorite platform with uh, Stefan Kermas and uh, I try to post um, sometimes and last year I posted a little bit more. These days I've not that, that much time, but LinkedIn is my favorite social network. So. If everybody's interested to talk and to discuss about all these leadership, motivational stuff and stories, uh, feel free and uh, feel invited to give me a sign in that area. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you. And uh, for closing our today's episode, what are the three uh, advices that you would give to uh, new, to younger leaders? 
I don't like the word advices. I would say what kind of ideas or inspirations to younger <laughs> to younger leaders. I think it's quite important at the beginning um, find your own way because it's quite easy to read a book about Jurgen Klopp and Ferguson and all these great leaders in the world or Obama. And then we try to copy and paste. No, I think it's not a good idea. I think find your own way and understand why do people follow you? Why do people obviously building trust to you and use this individual strength for yourself and work on that? And if you feel sometimes that no one is following you again, then you have to change your strategy because obviously you're not the leader um, they want to have. Number two could be, like I said before, with the, with the glasses, not only try to understand a business or a team result on the numbers on the exit sheet, try to understand how does it come to the exit sheet? What kind of group dynamics and situation had to place to reach that result? What do we need? What do we need a kind of of result oriented working together to reach the numbers on the sheet as a final result. And that's where number three is going on because I missed some minutes ago. I missed, as you asked myself about the, the two learnings, the business from the sports world, number two was missing, but I can use it now. Perfect. What I would suggest or give as an inspiration to younger leaders is not only to look on the result oriented aims and goals we have, but, or therefore, to look, I call it the action-oriented goals. What kind of action, of doing, of concrete behavior do we need to reach a number goal on the exit sheet in the end? Because it's not only about the three goals versus one on, on, the, on, the, on the stand over there. It's about what kind of specific individual behavior, defending, attacking, ball handling, skill, mental toughness. So all the things I can break down on the action level. Yeah. What does my employees need to do their job as good as can? And if they do their job as good as they can, the results on the exit sheet will be great. And that's what I see in a lot of areas in my, in my, in my working, um, working uh, um, customer clients. Yeah, numbers, 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 and goals, goals, goals. Yes, for sure. At the end, we need numbers to survive and to deliver the payments. It's clear. But the question behind is, what are what are the concrete action goals, the concrete actions I need to deliver these kind of results? And yeah, that's something about skill level, about performance level, about mental training, about speaking training. Yeah, and that's, I would quite early took a great view on because these are the buttons I can push and these are the buttons I can yeah I can work on. Lovely, lovely. Uh, Stefan, it was really great discussion with you today. I really enjoyed it. So many great uh, insights. Thank you so much for uh, being here with us and sharing all this knowledge and your expertise on uh, on those topics that we previously discussed. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for being to another VUCA Leadership episode with Stefan. Um, Stefan, before we end. Thank you very much, Tyrus, for having me here. Thank you very much. Have a great rest of the day. Bye-bye. You too. Bye.